Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Day Life podcast. I'm the host, Nina, and today I'm having a conversation with Hallie Hummel, a full-time traveler living a nomadic lifestyle. Hallie has been traveling in a van for a few years, and she visited the 50 states in the United States. She's now in Alaska and will share her story with us. She will explain why she decided to become a solo traveler, the expectations one should have when traveling in a van, the financial aspects, and much more. Hello, Hallie. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. I'm very happy to be doing this episode with you. And of course, I want to thank you for accepting to be on the podcast. It's really nice to hear about your story. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. And like you said earlier, it's crazy that we're being able to record this and connect when we're literally on opposite sides of the planet right now. Yeah, we have 10 hour difference. So I think it's really cool to be talking to you because you're in Alaska, but you're going to tell us a little bit about that. If you yeah. could introduce yourself right now, that would be really nice. Yeah, so I'm Hallie. I'm 23 years old. I've been on the road for two years. I consider myself a full-time nomad. Um, most of those months have been spent traveling by van or by other type of vehicle. But currently, I'm working a seasonal job in Alaska. I'm in Fairbanks, Alaska, which is part of Alaska's interior. So we're sort of surrounded by all of the beauty of the largest state in the country. So that's that's sort of my backstory, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. And could you tell us maybe what was your life before you decided to go on that travel experience? Like what did you study, for example? Did you yeah. go to university? Yeah, so I did. I, I went to university. Um, I actually graduated in three years, which is graduating early. I studied writing. I was pr planning on writing novels for the rest of my life. Um, and it turns out I just, I'm traveling for the rest of my life instead. But yeah, I went to university in Southern California, which is where I'm originally from. And I mean, I went to school in a different in a different city. So it was it was a little bit different than where I grew up. But I did go to university. I studied writing. Um, I spent a lot of my time in the desert in Southern California. And throughout my whole college career, all I wanted to do was hit the road or travel and explore the world. So that was what I wanted to do as soon as I graduated. But it's also nice that writing is something you can do on the road, right? And it's not a type of job that you have to stay in one place, for example. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, that's actually um, how I've been able to stay on the road for the past two years. I work as a copywriter primarily, which is like writing blog posts, helping companies with emails, that type of stuff. It doesn't really resonate with my message anymore, but it has kept me on the road for two years. So I'm really grateful that it's been able to do that. And now I'm actually also writing a memoir based on the first three months that I spent on the road. It's like very much still in first draft phase, but it's nice that I do have something that I sort of can fall back on while I am traveling. Yeah, it's really nice. And of course, we'll talk about that aspect, that financial aspect, because I think you receive a lot of questions about that. Before we jump, it would be nice to talk about your experience uh, with traveling and why you decided basically to go on a solo trip, because that's quite a big decision also. Yeah, so when I was like 15, I discovered this article. I can't remember what site it was on because it was so many years ago, but I discovered this article where this, this guy had come up with an algorithm that 
had calculated the fastest route to drive to all connected 48 states of the U.S. And that article like weaseled its way into my little 15 year old brain. And I was just like, I'm going to do this trip at some point in my life. I ended up just like when I started college, deciding to like, okay, I'm actually going to do this. I'm actually going to start planning this. And when I graduated, literally three days after I graduated college, I hit the road in my Kia Soul, which is a really tiny SUV. And I hit the road. I was on the road for three months. And in that three months, I decided I don't want to stop doing this. I want to keep going forever or as long as this still resonates with me. And so that was sort of where everything began. But really, like, Deciding to do that road trip as a solo trip was something that came from like 2018 was a really hard year for me. I mean, 2020 was its own monster, but 2018, like back in normal life was a really, really hard year for me. It started with my childhood dog passing away. Um, I was in a very toxic relationship. I was really struggling with like, do I want to drop out or do I want to stay in school? Because it was just not a good environment for me to be under that much structure. Um, And then like over the summer, I was working this super physically intensive restaurant job where the hours were just insane. Like I had no time to myself and I was just like, I need to come back to myself somehow. And the idea was that on this three months, I would learn enough about myself and be so sure of who I was when I was by myself that I could be that person when I was around other people. And of course, three months was not enough time to do that. But um, now I just passed my two year anniversary of being a nomad. And I feel like I'm starting to finally learn who that person is after two years. Yeah, it's great that you talk also about this aspect of personal growth. So I think that's very interesting. And also it was very brave of you to like leave. Thank you. So I'm wondering how you felt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it up until like the day that I was going to leave, I was so freaking excited, just like so excited. And every single day, like I was manifesting this trip so heavily. It was all I thought about. Like literally it was, it was the only thing I ever talked about. It was the only thing I thought about. It was the only thing I meditated on. It was, I'm sure my college friends were just like sick of me by the time I graduated because it was all, all I would talk about was this trip that I was going to go on. And then the day that I was, planning on leaving the day that I was set to leave I remember standing in the doorway of my parents house and so I was sort of like in between places which I kind of still am but I also have my own built out van now and everything but I was standing in the doorway of my parents house and it was like 3 a.m because that was how early I had to start driving because it was such a far drive and I needed to make sure I got a campsite and I wanted to still hike and do stuff and my dad was up to help me load things into my car and get me ready to go and I was so scared to actually do it because it's like you do so much preparation and you know what you want it to feel like and then you actually come face to face with the moment and it's you're afraid that it's maybe not going to be as transformative as as transformative as you want it to be, or you're afraid of what might happen. I mean, I'm a solo woman on the road driving in places where maybe it's not super safe to be a solo woman on the road. But at the same time, knowing that if I didn't go, I would regret it. 
and my dad came up to me. He was like, you have to just go because as soon as you're on the road, you're going to feel fine. And it's going to be everything that you imagined it to be. It's just a matter of actually taking that step literally out, out the door to, to do it and get in the car and go. Yeah, I can imagine that it's very hard and it's very different to prepare the trip and then actually do it. But that's with a lot of projects, actually, that it's very different when you have the idea of uh, starting a project and then when you actually do it, then it's when you really realize how maybe challenging it is. And it's great that you, yeah, that you had the the, the passion also to, to do that. Because I think from what I understand, that's what really motivated you is that you really saw the benefits of traveling. So it's great that you were motivated by that. And also from what I understand, when you left, you first thought that you were going to stay three months, right? So it was not um, maybe as long as you thought. Maybe that's also reassuring. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I was originally, when I was planning this trip, I was supposed to go back to school in the fall. And okay. then I did that I was going to graduate early. And so I... Halfway through the trip, I realized like, oh my God, I don't need to make this only three months. I can, I can make this five months if I want to. It, it did end up only being three months because it was my first three months on the road and I was very homesick by the end of it, which I don't talk about that a lot actually um, because I feel like I, I didn't really want to admit it to myself. But now as I'm writing my memoir, like that really is the reason that I ended up kind of beelining it straight back to my parents' house and then sort of continuing the journey from there. But yeah, it was only supposed to be three months and it was three months, but I, a month after I returned, I bought my first van and I hit the road again. I took my first trip in that van in December of 2019. And then I went to Southeast Asia for a month. And then as soon as I came back, I hit the road like permanently in the van. Okay. So I think it would be nice to have a little summary of where you went because yeah. um, did you start then with the, doing the tour of the 50 states or that was later because you talked also about going to Southeast Asia? Yeah. So that was after um, okay. all of the states. I, um, I started off with the, the contiguous 48, which is the, the giant conglomerate of states. That's what most people picture when they picture the U.S. Um, because those are the ones that you that are easily drivable. And so I did it was three months that I spent. I drove to all 48 of them in those three months. It was a lot. I was doing seven to eight hour drives almost every day. Not really so much on the East Coast, but definitely out West where the states are bigger. Seven to eight hours every day. Um getting somewhere by noon, going on a 10 mile hike, sleeping, driving seven to eight hours a day. Like it was crazy, but I did it. And so that was, that was the, the lower 48. And then um, when I was done with that, I went to Southeast Asia for a month and then I was back on the road in the lower 48. And that was right before COVID started. So at that point I was having to kind of fall back into van life, but also figure out how to quarantine in a van and not only figure out how to quarantine in a van, but figure out how to quarantine in a van when I was caravanning with somebody who I just started dating. So we had to sort of figure out how to live together when we were still also trying to get to know each other. Yeah, I can imagine that it's, yeah, it sounds like a lot of pressure. So what you were saying of traveling in three months and you were driving like seven to eight hours a day. How how did you live that? Because it seemed like you did so much in so little time. Like, do you recommend this or do you think it's better if you take more time, maybe? 
Um, 100% if somebody else is going to attempt this, I always tell people to take more time. I've seen so many people in these travel Facebook groups that I'm in that are seeing the exact same map that I based my trip off of. And they're like, I want to do this trip. Has anyone done this? I'm like, I actually have done this. And I'm telling you a month is not enough time. Like (laughs) these people are like, is a month enough enough time to drive to all 48 states? No, (laughs) like honey, no, (laughs) please don't do that. You will literally drive yourself crazy. You need like doing a trip this big. I really wish I spent five to six months doing it so that I could truly slow down and truly have the freedom to stay in places that really resonated with me or that I really connected with. And part of the reason that I made it so short though was because of budget and like I was fresh out of college so I didn't really know what a life full-time on the road would be like and it actually is a lot cheaper than you think it is. Um, Obviously I'm still doing it two years later. If it was expensive I probably wouldn't be. But like three months sounded like a feasible amount of time, even though I was moving super fast, I was super determined to do this goal and achieve this goal. And I knew that I was going to do it because that's just how I work. But definitely, especially if you're not used to road tripping or you're not used to camping five to six months for something this big. And I mean, a lot of people I know now, they're on the road for a year, two years, three years, and they still haven't hit all 48 states. So it's really just about your pace and what you're comfortable with. Yeah, I think it's really important to say that you have to find a balance, right, between your goal and also your limits, I guess, if we can say, or like what you feel comfortable with, kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so if I'm not wrong, then you first followed a specific route and then you decided to instead base your route on national parks. So could you maybe explain more about that and why you decided to focus on national parks? So I think that's when you came back from Southeast Asia, right? After that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first 48 states was a very set route. I had been planning it for three years. It did change while I was on the road a little bit, just because the best example I can think of was when I was leaving the Dakotas and um, heading to Glacier National Park. I ended up adding Devil's Tower, Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Um, I had already been to Wyoming on the trip. I just really wanted to go to Devil's Tower. So I just like added the spot, rearranged a few things, and then continued on my original planned route. I think I even switched the order that I visited the Dakotas in because of that. Um, So for the most part, it was a set route for those first three months. And then, yeah, once I was back from Southeast Asia, obviously once quarantine sort of chilled out a little bit and we could visit national parks again, that was when I really started. I mean, I've always based all my trips around national parks, but I really made it my goal last year to visit ones that I hadn't been to before and also take my partner to ones that he hadn't been to before because we were on this journey together at this point. But I definitely, I choose national parks because like to me, other than visiting all 50 states, which I've now done, visiting all 63 national parks is sort of my next big goal with traveling within the U.S., especially because it doesn't look like international travel is really going to be super accessible for at least another few years. So visiting all of those, like that's a checklist that I can easily just um, move through at my own pace. And 
allows me to see basically all of the diversity that we have in this country, all of the different natural landscapes, all of the different animals. I've now been to 46 national parks. So a lot of that was in the past two years. I think there's only two or three that I did that I haven't been to in the past two years that I visited when I was in college or younger. But yeah, I mean, the national parks to me is a very tangible way to travel, but also a really good way to really connect with nature. Um, now that I've visited most of the national parks in the lower 48, I'm kind of starting to just travel more intuitively, especially because I also now travel with a dog who he's not allowed in a lot of the national parks. So I have to find places that allow him to be there so that we can connect to nature together instead of me just leaving him behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And from what you're saying also, what's interesting is that there's always, you can always find new goals, right? Like uh, when traveling, it's not like you have a limit. And then when you reach that limit, okay, you have nothing yeah. to do anymore. Is you always have more things to visit or to, to do. So I think that's very interesting. And also the other aspect that you mentioned is that sometimes your plans change you know you might have a specific route you take and then like you were saying now you're traveling with a dog and that's also completely yeah. fine yeah it's also something you have to accept right if you travel yeah accept to change your plans if necessary yeah definitely mm -hmm. definitely I mean traveling with the dog has also like really opened my eyes to um, other places that never would have been on my radar before. When I was on the, the 48 state trip, I really was bouncing like national park to national park or from state park to state park. Like I was, mm -hmm. I was really trying to be specific things. And now um, a really great example is when me, my partner and the dog were all in um, the Mount Rainier National Park area in Washington last year. And um, none of the trails in Mount Rainier National Park are dog friendly. Um, it's not a very good place for you to travel when you have a dog with you. And so we really wanted to take him, him hiking. He was like really getting antsy just sitting with us while we just drove through the parks because we couldn't really do anything. And so we ended up finding this dog friendly trail like right outside the National Park that led us to this amazing waterfall. Like I never would have even gone to that area if I hadn't been looking for a dog friendly hike to take him on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really nice story to to hear. And it really, um, I think, can be applied to any aspect of life, right? not just traveling, yeah. that sometimes when you take the path that you didn't even consider, then it leads to something yeah, beautiful. So I think that's really nice also to keep in mind for people who want to travel that it's okay if your, ride, your route changes. And due to time restrictions, of course, we cannot talk about all the states, but I'm guessing that you probably are often asked what state <laughs> is, uh, I don't know if you could say the best, because that doesn't really mean much, but like which one maybe marked you the most, or at least which one you would like to talk about right now? Yeah, I mean, I always say that California is my favorite state, but it is also my home state. So that sounds really biased. <laughs> um, just because of the diversity of the nature, um, like it has desert, forest, mountains, cities, beaches, like it's incredible. Mm -hmm. But for me, the state that made the most of an impact, I I'm going to mention two because there's two very distinct um, periods of my life on the road. And the first was Montana, which was um, my 49th state. 
Um, I'd been to Hawaii multiple times as a kid. So when I was nearing the end of my 48 state road trip, um, Montana was the last one on my route that I hadn't previously visited before. I had been to Washington and Oregon before on, on separate trips. So I like I, the only one that I hadn't been to toward the end of that trip was Montana. Cause from there I was going to be heading to Washington and Oregon. So I'd already explored parts of those States in Montana. I went to Gla- uh, Glacier national park, which is still my favorite place in the entire country. It was my first time really getting up close and personal with a glacier. Um, when I was hiking to that glacier, I met this other, um, solo female traveler who I'm still friends with. She's an amazing person. Um, She lives in Saskatchewan, Canada. So really cool um, experience to get to connect with somebody who was also on the road, also on her journey, um, but also from a very different place than where I was from. Um, So Montana definitely during that 48, during that 48 state trip was the one that truly made the most impact on me. And then moving to more recent times, Alaska, um, which was my 50th state, um, made a huge, huge, huge impact on me. I'm obviously still here, Mm -hmm. but um, Alaska for me was a long-term goal. Um, It was something that I have been dreaming of since college. And to me, actually getting to, to be here and to set foot here in Alaska after being through so much and traveling to so much of the country, it really felt like everything that I have been doing for the past two years was leading me up to this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it really seems like, um, even though I don't know if it was done on purpose, but that really it was chronologically made in a sense that makes sense to you okay this sentence is a bit weird but I mean you know what I mean like that Alaska was your last destination it seems that it really resonates with your entire trip and makes sense with what your goal was yeah definitely I mean having the goal of seeing all 50 states um, and then being interrupted by COVID was really, really hard for me. Um, I spent a lot of last year literally grieving Alaska because I just didn't know when I would have the chance to come up here again because we were talking about like longer term travel goals. Like we wanted to drive to South America and having to put this trip on hold last year was just the thing that truly made last year as hard as it was because being able to quarantine in the van and being able to like be in the woods during all of that made quarantine not as hard as it would have been if I had been in a house however having the reality set in of like you can't complete this goal that you've been working on for years you you now have to put your entire life on hold was really, really, really hard because I really wanted to have all 50 states crossed off so that I could, I don't know, just feel feel like I had accomplished something mm-hmm. last year. Um, I like it's not so much a checklist as much as um, just a feeling of accomplishment through travel because I feel like a lot of people look at travelers and they think like, oh, they're just like wasting their life. They're not working on a career. But really visiting all 50 states at a young age was a huge goal for me. And not being able to do that last year was just a really 
eye op like the opposite of eye opening. <laughs> um, a real it was like a crash back down to earth because it just I spent a lot of time last year feeling like oh I'm not accomplishing anything. I'm just sitting here waiting and sitting here in stagnancy, which ended up being a good thing um, because it led to a lot of personal growth. But it was hard to just feel like yeah, I'm not accomplishing anything, but then this year getting to accomplish that goal and really, really truly be able to be here and be able to be present and be able to experience it for what it is has been amazing. Yeah, no, I think it's totally understandable. And I can understand also personally because I'm finishing my bachelor now and then I'm doing a master and I'm doing a gap year between the two, like a one year gap year. And I want to travel also during that gap year, but I don't really know how it's going to be possible because of COVID. So I understand that it's a bit frustrating because I'm also thinking, okay, so if I don't travel during that year, then after I'm going to do a master and, you know, it's too late. I know it's more flexible in the sense that there's always other options where we're talking about the fact that you have to be open to taking different paths. But I understand also that when you take the decision to like such a big decision as traveling and something doesn't go as planned, that it can be frustrating also because that's a goal that you set yourself. So I think that's totally understandable. Yeah, I really love what you said about like, sometimes we have to take a different path, because that's exactly how I felt last year. It really felt like something, the universe, some sort of force that I didn't, I couldn't see, obviously, didn't want me to make it up here last year. It wasn't meant for me. And instead, I went and I visited all of these other national parks. I spent a lot of time in Colorado last year. We ended up buying a new van, building out the new van, which ended up was being the vehicle that got us here, which was really cool. But really, I think there's a lot of power in just realizing, okay, like if it's not going to work out, then it's not going to work out. And it is what it is. We'll just work from here and figure it out from here and see what is meant for me, what is um, supposed to be the next step in my path. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just so that we finish with the states, would it be possible for you to say, I mean, let's just say three places that you would recommend to anyone who wants to visit the United States? Because I'm sure some people would like to know, okay, they're coming to the US or they live in the US. What should they visit? (laughs) Yeah, so honestly, the first three that come to my, of course, I want to recommend like all of my favorite places. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're trying to get a really well rounded idea of, um, of the US, I mean, this is more the Western US, because to me, there's more beautiful nature in the Western side of the US. But we have three national parks that are considered the big three national parks, which are Yellowstone, Grand Canyon and Yosemite. Um, And I feel like those three if you were to do a road trip between the three of those, you would see the most amazing nature that the whole country has to offer. You'd see, you know, the geysers and the high mountains of the Rockies in Yellowstone. Um, You'd see bison and elk. And if you went just a little bit south to to the Tetons, you would see these amazing, magnificent mountains. And then in Grand Canyon, you'd see the magic of the Southwest and the red rock and the red dirt and the elk and the chipmunks and all of that. Um, And then in California, in Yosemite, you have these giant rock monoliths 
that are known for rock climbing. You have Half Dome, you have um, the giant sequoia trees that are native to California. And of course, like the black bears and the deer and the animals that are native to California that you really won't find anywhere else. So I really feel like those three, if you were to combine those into one trip, you would see so much of the natural landscapes that makes this country so unique. Yeah, then now that definitely makes me wanna <laughs> makes me wanna go there. So you should, you should. I'll take you on a tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope one day it will be possible. But yeah, okay. So I, that gives me motivation to to travel even more. And now I just wanted to talk a little bit about living in the van because I mean that's obviously a big part of your journey. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about living in the van. So it would be nice to hear from you what it's actually like, because we talked a little bit about this when preparing this episode, but sometimes it's a bit romanticized what it's like to live in a van. So could you just yeah, tell us what it's really like and what are the daily challenges you have to go through when living in a van? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love van life. I love it so much. It has been incredible for rewarding me with the freedom that I truly want and can have because I work remotely. However, if you're just like looking up hashtag van life on Instagram, you're not going to see all the sides. Um, there definitely are a lot of uh, van life influencers and bloggers who have started to talk about van life reality, um, but it's also still not really in the common lexicon of what people talk about when they're talking about living on the road. A lot of what you see is these beautiful pictures out the back of the van with the, the beach sunset or the mountains or the desert. And yes, there are a lot of times that are like that. However, there's probably an equal amount of times that we're staying at rest stops, Walmart parking lots, truck stops, literally parking in neighborhoods when we're in places like San Diego, California, where there is no real camping. You have to do what we call stealth camping, which is just trying to blend in with the regular neighborhood cars and nobody knows that you're in there. <laughs> so like that is um, a huge thing that I think a lot of people don't really anticipate is that, you know, yeah, you might wake up in the mountains one morning and then the next day you're sleeping at Walmart and there's trucks going by all night or people playing music. And then there's also the side of things where the actual act of living in the van, like everything you do, my best friend talks about this a lot, but everything you do requires extra steps. If you're going to go to the bathroom, I have a toilet in my current van, but I still have to like unhook a bunch of things, set up the toilet to actually be functional for me to use. Or if you don't have a toilet, you have to go out and find a place to dig a hole to poop in the woods. People don't realize that it's not a luxury vacation. This is my life and this is a very unique lifestyle and I'm not on vacation. <laughs> like this is, this is definitely, it's, 100% my life, I'm still grocery shopping. I'm still taking my dog to the vet. I'm still having to take myself to the doctor sometimes and having to figure out how to do that in a state that's not my home state. Having to wash dishes, you have to fill up water jugs. You don't have an unlimited source of water. We shower like once every 10 days. <laughs> like This is not a glamorous lifestyle like a lot of people think it is when they're looking it up but at the same time the reward is so high there's so much 
that I'm so grateful for from fan life where it's just, it overwhelms those negatives of like not having a place to poop. There are so many amazing things that come from van life, from the community to the freedom to roam to just the places that I've seen while on this journey. Those things outweigh those negatives 100%. It's just that you have to be willing to be uncomfortable. And I mean, really, I think that's a good lesson for anybody in no matter what lifestyle they're living. Like you have to just push yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit. But if you're one of those people that's like, I want the ultimate freedom. I want to be able to drive to wherever I want. I want to be able to follow the weather and choose what temperature I'm experiencing all the time. I want to choose to experience all these national parks or experience all these different cultures. All The whole U.S. is different cultures. And we also went to Mexico um, in the spring. And so it's like having the freedom to travel full time is going to come with being a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, it's, it's similar to like backpacking Europe. You're carrying everything you own with you. You're sleeping in places that are not familiar to you every day. Um, and you have to just be okay with being a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very important to be honest, to talk about this because to anyone who wants to go travel, I mean, I think it's Yeah, like I said, really important that they can anticipate what you just talked about. I mean, I don't know how common it is that people decide to go live in a van and then actually realize that it's very different from what they imagine. Maybe uh, you know more about that. But I feel like it's, of course, you won't know exactly what it's like before you do it. But I think you should anticipate that it might not be always 100% comfortable um, so that you can also mentally prepare, I guess, for that. Yeah, I mean, definitely. There there have been p people who I've seen posting in these like van life Facebook groups who they're like, we tried it for a month and we hate it. So we're selling the van. Um, but honestly, my biggest piece of advice is to just do it in what you have, which is what I did for three months. I, I knew that I was going to end up in a van. I didn't want to admit it to myself, but I knew um, because it was all I thought about. All I th talked about was my trip that I was going on and everything I watched was van life YouTube content. I didn't want to just go into buying a large vehicle and spending the money to convert it when I wasn't like 100% sure. I knew that I wanted to travel, but maybe this way wasn't meant for me. So I built out my SUV and I used that and I lived in that for three months. And by the time I was halfway through that trip, I knew that I was going to buy a van. But at the same time, being in a smaller vehicle allowed for a lot more maneuverability. It allowed for me to truly... Um, realize what I wanted and needed in a van and it allowed me to like experience living on the road without needing to spend the money and the time to convert a van so if you're one of those people who is wanting to experience van life throw your sleeping bag in the back of your Prius <laughs> if that's what you have or buy a really cheap car because Doing it in something small and being 100% sure that this is the lifestyle for you is going to make a world of difference before you make a huge commitment to committing it to um, converting a van. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of ways to travel. So one might not work for you, but then there's a lot of other ways to travel. Now we're talking specifically about vans, but mm -hmm. I think it's good to mention that 
there's endless possibilities. And we talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but we didn't go very deep into it. Could you tell us how you afford to travel while living a nomadic life? Because I'm sure that many people who want to have the same lifestyle as you would be interested to know what are the tips or at least what you do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that also sort of goes along with there are different ways to travel. Um, I prefer to work online while I travel. For the past two years, that has been um, through freelance copywriting or freelance writing. Um, a lot of what I do is writing blog posts for other people to go on their websites, blogs, and then um, also helping them with email copies, sometimes social media captions and that kind of stuff. But to me, like that isn't really resonating anymore. So I'm sort of transitioning into running my own business and selling my art and also running my, my own blog um, and also writing my memoir. So I really just want to work for myself. However, there are so many different ways to travel and I'm experiencing one of those ways right now. There's a lot of van lifers, a lot of full-time nomads who just bounce between seasonal jobs. So what that means, it's usually has to do with the outdoor or travel sphere. But right now I'm running a hostel. <laughs> um, so I'm here um, literally running this place that's meant for budget travelers which is great because I get to meet other travelers. I get to um, have a home base for the first time in two years, which means a mailing address, which is so fun um, and constant Wi-Fi, which is great. Um, but also like there's a lot of van jobs that you can do that are like shorter seasons. I'm up in Alaska for the entire summer, but I know friends who they'll go and work on a farm for two months and then move on. And then they'll work at a ranch for another two months and then they'll move on. And so there's different ways to, to travel, whether you're in a van or not. Seasonal work is definitely a way that you can travel full time and literally get paid to be where you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to know that there's, that if you decide to travel in a van, you don't have to literally be in the car every day, but you can also like you yeah planning right now stay in one place and work a seasonal job so yeah it's again talking about the fact that there are endless possibilities and uh, yeah. it's nice to hear about about that because for me for me for example I wasn't very aware that you could do seasonal jobs I mean it makes sense now that I hear it but I hadn't thought about it before so um, yeah. yeah it's nice to know so that we can finish the the episode I think it would be nice to talk a little bit more about uh, the personal growth side because we talked a bit about it in the, at the beginning how that was your motivation to travel in the first place also mm -hmm. so now that you've been traveling for two years so you've traveled solo now you said you're with your partner and your dog what are the lessons that you learn and how do you feel like traveling impacted you as a person yeah um So those first three months like really were um, inspired by just a mission to find myself. And of course, it didn't happen in those three months because things when it comes to healing, things don't go as planned. Things take a lot longer or a lot shorter than you think they're going to. But going into that three months, I had just come out of a toxic relationship. A year before I left on the trip, I had just um, worked this horribly demanding job right before um, I finished right before I jumped into my last year of college and then right before 
I left on the trip. I finished the hardest year of school I've ever done because I was taking so many classes to graduate early. Um, and so that combination of things just had me in a really like dark and rigid place. And I was really trying to find my flow again, trying to find my, my feminine energy of being able to just let things move the way that they're meant to. And like I, I've said that of course didn't happen in those three months and it didn't even happen last year um, because COVID put me into another type of restriction. And so needing to truly understand that wherever I am on this journey, whether that's physically or emotionally is exactly where I need to be, has been the thing that has truly um, impacted me and allowed me to find that flow again. The thing is, it wasn't until I was honestly still, but in a place that I was not familiar with. We were staying with my boyfriend's family um, in the fall of last year to build out our new van. And that was the first time that I've been still for that period of time for a really long time. Um, and it was really hard for me because it was a place that I was unfamiliar with. It was not in like the most desirable part of the country. And so having to be still and having to sit with myself a lot of the time because he was working um, a seasonal job <laughs> while we were there and he was also doing most of the construction on the van really forced me to turn inward finally instead of like sort of running from this structure and it forced me to look at myself and look at what needed to still be healed and through that I was able to hit the road again in January with a much clearer mind and clearer spirit because I really was finally coming from a place of um, growth and of progress because I was forced to turn inward to myself. And then now being, it's been six months later, the amount of growth that I've experienced since having, since being in the new van has been incredible. And the progress that I've made toward my life's purpose and my life's goals has just been so transformative to the point where we're actually, um, we're about to sell that Sprinter van that we built out six months ago because Jared, my partner is staying in Alaska for the winter or maybe indefinitely, we don't know. And the sprinter is too big for me. So I'm downsizing again and I will be solo again. And I really am honestly so excited to get to finally be solo and be at a place where I feel like I can make so much emo emotional growth and emotional progress through healing and actually be solo and be able to like truly sit with those feelings and sit with those emotions. Yeah, it's very interesting to to hear your your story and what you learned from it. Because I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I can imagine that when you live in one place and you have a job or you study whatever, and you know, sometimes it's kind of if you don't see what's around you and you're like focused on that one job or your studies, and then your studies or your job is your entire life, and you're like kind of stuck in that bubble, I guess, if I could yeah. say. I mean, definitely with university, sometimes, you know, I'm just focused on all the assignments I have to do. You don't turn your head to see what's around you. And I feel like with traveling, what you're saying is that it's kind of an eye opener, I guess. And Yeah, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it allows you to have a more holistic view on the world, if I can say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's 100% accurate. 
from my perspective, being on the road, it really, it brings you out of everything that you are comfortable with. When you're in your hometown and you're working a job or you're in school, you know, you're used to that environment. You're comfortable in that environment. You have your routine, you have your friends, you have your favorite restaurant that you go to every Friday, you know? But when you're on the road, you forget what day of the week it is <laughs> because, because you're moving so fast. You're maybe not necessarily working on a linear schedule. And then you're also just pushed out of your comfort zone every single day. And you're forced to be with yourself and you're forced to truly reflect on what it is that means something to you because you're alone in the wilderness or you're alone in a city where you don't know anybody else. And it forces you to truly think about, okay, maybe this is a really hard situation. Maybe I don't have a place to camp tonight. What do I need to learn from this experience? What can I learn from this experience through figuring it out, through troubleshooting this problem? What can I take away from this for my own personal growth? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the the word, the word that really concludes everything that you said is really like self-growth and it really summarizes everything you've been saying and I think it's really yeah it was really interesting for me to have your perspective also because I guess that every person's story is very different depending on where you travel how you travel how many people you travel and I don't know if you have like a last word that you want to say maybe an advice or just something to conclude this episode Yeah, my main piece of advice is whatever that thing is that you can't stop thinking about, go and do it. Because you're being drawn to go and do that thing for a reason. You're being inspired to go and do that thing for a reason. You're going to keep making excuses for yourself the more you put it off. You know, you'll say, I'm scared. I I don't know how to travel by myself as a woman. Like, you're going to keep making up reasons why you can't do the thing that you really want to do. So you really need to just push yourself over that edge and really start the next chapter in your journey. Okay. Yeah. And if you, if you do take that step and something doesn't go as planned, maybe you don't like actually traveling in the van. It's not bad either. I mean, it's not like the end of the world, you know, so it's always better to try rather than to regret. You might as well see what it's like. And if you hate it, then you know you hate it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, well, yeah. once more, thank you very much for being on this episode, for sharing not only your personal story, but also for giving some tips and some advice. I'm sure this episode can be interesting to anyone, whether someone wants to travel or just not travel, but hear what it's like to live in a van. So yeah, thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And I don't know if you want to just mention quickly where people can find you, maybe a website or an Instagram account. Yeah, definitely. Um, so all of my social media is um, Hallie's Wandering Soul, spelled H-A-L-L-E. So I'm at Hallie's Wandering Soul on Instagram. And then Hallie'sWanderingSoul.com is my blog and my shop. So you can find um, my, my blog posts there, which is all travel advice specifically made for people who are um, traveling by car or by vehicle. Um, and then I also have my shop, which is called Wandering Soul Collective, which is where I sell my art, which is inspired by a life on the road. 
and I donate 5% of that to the National Park Service to support the places that supported me on the road. All right, perfect. And there will also be more content about this episode on the Instagram of the podcast, which is the life they live underscore podcast. So thank you to anyone who was listening to this episode. Don't hesitate to join me on the Instagram and also to give me any feedback, any suggestion. I would be very happy to hear them. So I'll see you on the next episode.